Hello, this is Hope, and you're listening to Covert Castaway. Welcome to my weekly diary of what I learn and how I cope with transitioning to life as a liveaboard cruiser. When you buy a new boat, it turns out the broker you use, you'll be stuck with for a long time. It's like a marriage. We've sort of understood this, but oh my God, we had no idea. In today's podcast, I'll talk about what we looked for in a broker, how we chose ours, and what we learned after the fact. I want to say that I'm not going to name the broker in this podcast, not because I'm trying to be mysterious or elusive, but because this isn't intended to be any kind of promotion or roast of any particular broker. My hunch is if you're researching your own brokers for the kind of boat we're getting, you could kind of guess who it is. But the point is, there's no secret agenda here to promote anybody, so I want to state that up front. I'm happy to answer it privately if you send me a private message. Having never purchased a boat before, we started out not really understanding the role of a broker, I'll be honest. We read a few articles and figured they would be around for the buying process as a necessary evil, but everything else would probably be handled by the factory itself. This is not the case for a new boat purchase, at least not for the manufacturer we're dealing with. Boat builders like to do one thing and one thing only, build boats. I'm going to be straight up here and speak the truth. They don't want to service the boat, deal with warranty issues, answer questions, fix problems, or speak to anyone if they don't have to. So between getting all the options and commissioning items on the boat and servicing repairs or dealing with recalls, that all goes through the broker. Your broker owns you for the life of your boat warranty. So it is like a marriage. And even if at some point you don't like each other that much, you're stuck with them until this point. Or, like one friend we have, until you get so sick of your broker that you sell your boat altogether before the warranty is even over. Yes, apparently it can get that bad. It can also be great. They can be highly incentivized to do everything they can for you. But this isn't always the best way to select a broker either, because their intentions don't always mean that they can get things done. I'll share our experience. Once we fell in love with the boat, make sure you listen to episode two for that. We looked for a broker locally in the Bay Area, but there wasn't one. It turns out Fountain Peugeot isn't as prevalent as other brokers, simply because catamarans aren't a big thing in San Francisco, who appears to be madly in love with monohulls. We even looked up brokers in Southern California, but there just weren't any who would give us the time of day. About the same time, we booked a trip to Annapolis, And we were super excited to see the boat we wanted making its debut on the catwalk at the Annapolis Boat Show that year. Our intent was to make a final decision on that boat and figure out our broker later. At the time, we were following a YouTube channel called Chicky Monkey, which is where we saw the earlier model of the boat we liked and turned us on to Fountain Peugeot in the first place. In one of their blogs, or maybe it was a video, they mentioned who their broker was and somehow I got the name of their salesperson and made contact with him prior to the show. It also seemed they had worked with Out Chasing Stars, that's Amy and David, who we also follow, so that was a good sign. He mentioned that Tasha Hacker from Chicky Monkey would be at the show in their booth, which was pretty awesome. P.S. She's super cool in person, huge personality, and funny as hell. On the side, my husband was corresponding with another broker out of Texas, which does butt up against the Gulf of Mexico, but the words sailing and Texas don't seem to go together. Anyway, 
The man was really nice, and we didn't know any better, so we made an appointment to meet with him as well. So we get to the Annapolis Boat Show. By the way, mind blown. We had never seen anything like that before. The boat shows we have here in San Francisco, you could walk through literally in an hour and maybe see a handful of boats. We were there on a mission, though, and we knew exactly the boats we wanted to see. And it was game over when we walked up to what we thought was the Fountain Peugeot dock. Not kidding, they had a whole section of the dock. It turns out it was the broker. They were headquartered across the bay from where the boat is in Annapolis and are the biggest broker for Fountain Peugeot apparently on the planet Earth. They were like the big man on campus with their crisp white shirts, matching dockers, red carpet, and bright white smiles that could easily be featured in a toothpaste commercial. The whole area was packed. I tried to be cool, to act like I'd been there before, but I'll tell you, it was a bit intimidating at first, I'll be honest. I got a bit of practice sneaking into the Monaco Yacht Show earlier that year, so I've seen bigger. Boats, that is. They had their pitch nailed, said all the right things, and we met the whole team and got the appropriate number of slaps on the back. We saw and fell in love with the boat. We were a bit concerned with the bait and switch and worried that going with a bigger broker would maybe mean getting lost in the shuffle. We snuck out for lunch and met with the Texas broker, who was trying really hard and was really nice but he couldn't answer some basic questions. He just kept saying he would beat the other broker's prices, which in hindsight, I'm sure he was right. What my husband and I talked through later that night was that it was probably the best to go with the bigger broker who had leverage with the manufacturer. And the one on the red carpet did. If we wanted to get a cheaper price, I was sure there were ways to do it. But we were also concerned about having access to the right people to deal with for all the aftermarket issues we were starting to understand we would face. We were invited to a barbecue at the big broker's area and got to meet Claire and Jean-Francois Fontaine, the founder and owners, so that was huge. Also there were the friends we met near us who were getting their boat that year. Oh, and Tasha. It was a regular Oscars party as far as I was concerned. Some bizarro stuff happened. I got a docu-sign sent to me that night with a multi-page contract. How's that for an assumptive close? Did they really expect me to sign a legal document on the fly? Have you met me? A deposit I could live with, and we can sort out the other stuff later. Once we got that cleared up, we plunked down our deposit check for the honor of getting in line to buy one of their boats two years later. Pleased with our first ever boat show, we left in an afterglow. And that was as much as we thought in selecting a broker. If it was good enough for Tasha and Amy, it was good enough for me. A few days later, we did some back and forth, realizing that honestly, there would be a hundred change orders between deposit and ex-factory. So the contract negotiation thing is definitely a process. What quickly became apparent was the boat industry was very loose. At first, I thought it was just the broker. It's very much like, you know, trust me, I know a guy. And the back office part of the business is non-existent. The paperwork isn't connected to the systems for the manufacturer, at least not that I can tell. We were given lists and Excel spreadsheets of line items, but no descriptions of anything or any links. Until we did, months later. We accidentally got a list from our sales guy with the prices in euros, but links to all the descriptions and details of things we had just spent months researching, which would have been really nice to get in the beginning. Okay, fast forward about a year or so. We found a closed Facebook group online for the boat we were getting. This was an absolute game changer. And if you've sworn off Facebook, you may want to reconsider for this reason alone. In an effort to help ourselves to understand what things were, we dove into this group with the enthusiasm of entering a 20-year college reunion. 
like what's the exact brand name of the washer dryer we're getting, and how long is the anchor chain that comes standard, those kinds of things. Or what decisions were people making that impacted other decisions that were connected, you know, the knee bone connected to the hip bone kind of a thing. What we quickly started to understand is everyone's boat buying process is totally different. There were some things that were consistent, like the lack of responsiveness from the manufacturer. And apparently, this isn't unique to Fountain Peugeot. From what we've learned, it's the same across the industry. Again, boat companies do one thing well. That's why this vast network of boat brokers has sprung up. The issue is, most of the brokers are focused on the front-end part of the sales cycle. To various degrees, I might say. But definitely not the back-end. Once you get your boat and need warranty or service, especially during the year of the shakedown, it seems to get a little bit murky. So let me share why the broker matters. After we get the boat, we will certainly give an update, so I reserve the right to change my mind later. But this is where I stand now. Also, we aren't purchasing a boat to put in charter and that sort of thing, so we didn't select a charter company. From what I understand from my own experience and people I've spoken to, no boat broker on earth would qualify as totally awesome if you're comparing it to the bar that maybe was set in the U.S. to a real estate agent or a luxury car dealership. You have to lower your expectations and remember that the industry itself is different. Otherwise, you will just be totally frustrated. The range isn't excellent to poor. The range is good to awful. I'm just being straight up here. The most important thing for us is we wanted to pick someone who had more reach into the manufacturer, someone with clout and longstanding relationships. In France, relationships are very important, maybe more so even than the U.S. that takes more of a customer's always right philosophy when it comes to cars and homes. This was our number one criteria, and we were willing to pay for it. We ended up going to a bigger broker, which means more overhead in the process, but it also means more resources to get deeper questions answered. There are brokers who will probably give you a better price, but for us, we wanted to be sure if we had an issue or question, we could get someone's attention, and if we had a problem, we had a channel for getting directly to Fountain Peugeot to resolve the issues. So on the back end of the sale, then it meant we had more people to turn to. This is true for pre-sales and warranty work as well. The broker was able to secure more open slots and take delivery of more boats than other brokers, which also means that they have more experience with the nuances of the manufacturer. Also, we chose a U.S.-based broker. It just seemed like a safer decision, and there is a place to go in Florida to do any major repairs or refits if needed from the Caribbean. It's a mixed bag getting a broker from Europe, even though it may be nice to have someone on the same time zone as a manufacturer, but our broker now has boots on the ground in France, so this addresses that issue. They are also setting up a network throughout the Med so someone picking up in France can shake down the boat and enjoy the season in the Med if they choose to do so, and if their visas allow it. And more on visas and VAT on an upcoming podcast. But what's most important when it comes to getting a broker, maybe even more important than pre-sales and initial delivery, is the broker's approach and role on the warranty work. I was going to cover it here, but I felt it needed its own podcast. The net is, it boils down to picking a broker that has a great relationship with the manufacturer at many levels. We wanted a broker with tentacles into Fountain Peugeot when things went wrong, so there are many avenues to go down. So I would say the biggest thing I learned as it relates to how to pick a broker is, remember that boat builders are good at building boats, not selling them, not fixing them, not dealing with customers or warranty or recall drama. They just aren't set up for it, which can be a problem and we expect it to be. 
This is why we wanted a broker established enough with the right relationships that we could at least believe we had a voice with the manufacturer when things go sideways. My next podcast is all about the warranty work and who's supposed to do what. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss it. Also, if you're interested in a particular topic, please visit my Covert Castaway Facebook page and tell me what you're interested in. As a side note, now that I'm 14 episodes in, the downside of having an anonymous podcast is I can't share more details and specifics about my life or connect with any photos, which is a real bummer. And it probably makes it hard for you guys to give me feedback or suggestions because like, I'm not an actual human being. I'm just a voice. But please do. I have no idea if you're liking what you're hearing or not. So if you please subscribe, rate, or leave feedback. I would love to hear if these podcasts are helping you. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, like, or share with another covert castaway. Fair wins for now. Oh, <laughs>